Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students. We are talking about, we are diving into what some people would call the greatest story ever told. A story about the prodigal son. And it is something that is dear and near to my heart. And one of the first things that I want to cover is that sometimes when we talk about fathers, I just real quick want to try to help clean the slate. Because when we talk about fathers, sometimes that sets up a huge barrier mentally and emotionally. Because there's a lot of us in here who have experienced love from our fathers, right? But there's also many of us who have never experienced love from a father figure at all. And so I want to ask and I want to pray tonight that you'd be able to just wipe that slate clean just long enough so that you could see a different kind of father. Because the fathers during the time of this story were very harsh, were very strict. They were pa- patriarchs in the family. They, were, they had the power to give and take away. And here's Jesus. He's sitting down telling this story to teach about God the Father, about heaven. And he tells a story about a father that's completely different. He's saying, yeah, that might be your father, but that's not my father. That's not my heavenly father. That's not your heavenly father. Not like these earthly fathers, okay? And through what he explains, you will see a God, a father, that shows love unlimited. And there's a lot of details to this story tonight, but what I pray that you see, what I pray that you see, the hero of this story is the father, okay? And I want you to see that. Focus in on that tonight and prepare your hearts To understand that there's a God in heaven that loves you so much, he's willing to sacrifice everything for you. And he's willing to come running after you and humiliate himself for your sake. Okay? I'm going to pray for that. And I'm going to pray for those of you who have had those difficulties with your father or never received love from a father. I want to pray for you too. Lord, uh, pray with me. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity and what you teach us. Jesus, you teach us so much about the father. When we look to you, we see the father. And I know that there's, there's students, there's grown-ups in this room <clears throat> whose father never showed love or any kind of tenderness or care. And I pray for them tonight that they're able to forget that for just a moment, for just a moment, so they could see a true heavenly father that loves them with an unlimited love, with an unlimited love. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said... Amen, amen. Okay, so we're in Luke 15, chapter 15. We're starting in verse 11. It'll be in the Bible in the sky here, and I'll kind of color announce it as we walk through it, okay? Jesus continued. Okay, so that's the first thing. We didn't get far, did we? So he's talking to this people on the street. He's talking to average people, but he's also talking to the very religious Jewish uh, uh, church people in this moment. And they hear these stories completely different, but all the same in the same time. And there's two brothers in this story I want you to know. We're going to focus on the first brother and his story. I call it Act 1. And then there's Act 2. There's a second brother that's just as important. We don't have time to cover his need tonight. But I pray and I hope that you read this story and you look into what he is looking for and what he needs from God as well, okay? So it goes on to say, A man who had two sons, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. So this is a very short sentence, but there is a ton of pain that goes into these few sentences. Imagine, have you ever been rejected by someone you love? That's exactly what happened to this father. 
is that in this day and age, this young son walked up to him and said, I want my inheritance now. That's to say, God, um, Father, I wish you were dead so that I could have what you owe me. I'm tired of living here. I'm tired of doing the things you asked me to do. I'm tired of seeing your face every day. I would rather I live as if you were dead and I had everything that you owed me and I'm going to leave. That's what this father just heard. And in that day and age, the father had, had permission and was encouraged to punish, to beat, or even kill a son for saying something like that. But this father's different from the get-go. What does he do? He goes and he t- divides the property between them. This, this, is a, this is a process. He's selling land. He's selling things he's owned for years to give this money to his son that asked for it. You can already see this compassion that he has for his children. And the story goes on, not long after that, the younger son got, to, got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered, he wasted his wealth in the wild living. So I want to talk about squandering and, and wasting things real quick. We, we waste a, a lot of money. There is a lot of frappuccinos that never need to be purchased on this planet. <laughs> there is a lot, of, a lot of frappuccinos that never needed to be purchased. You might as well just pour sugar straight into your face. Um, so we all know, we all know, we all know about wasting money, but I want to talk to you about wasting your time. Because while this son was away, he was wasting time that he could have had with his friends or with his father. Have you wasted time in your life on things, on wild living? Have you squandered, how about relationships? Have you wasted relationships? Have you given up relationships for the sake of wild living? Have you done that? I want you, as we slowly go through the story, to start sitting in the seat of the sun, because we've all been there. We've all been there. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so what happens next, after he spent everything he had, a severe famine, and hit the whole country, and he began to be in need. And so he went and he hired himself out to the citizens of that country who sent him to, his fe- to the fields to feed pigs. Now, in this day and age, and especially in this culture, feeding pigs was the most shameful thing you could possibly do. It was the lowest of the lowest of the low. So I want you to hear this metaphor. What pigs are you feeding in your life? Maybe you've gotten to the point where you are in the lowest of your low. What pigs are you feeding there? Are you feeding the pigs? Are you squandering your innocence feeding the pigs of pornography? Are you squandering your innocence feeding the pigs of a relationship that should not be physical? Are you squandering the beauty that God has given you by looking in the mirror and saying, I'm not good enough. What pigs are you feeding? Are you feeding the pigs that are bullies, that are telling you lies? Are you squandering the beauty that God has given you? What pigs are you feeding? And check this out. We thought we were as low as we could go. And the son looks at what he was feeding the pigs, and he starts to get hungry for that because he's starving. Are you starving tonight? Someone in here is starving tonight because they've been feeding the pigs, okay? And he's longing for this food, and nobody's around to help him. And when he comes to his senses, he says, I'm an idiot. How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but maybe you can make me one of your hired servants. So he got up, and he went to his father. He's saying, I don't really have a a plan to, like, restore the relationship, but at least, at least could could I mop your floors and clean your toilets. 
I know I, know I can't be your son anymore, but at least I could do that so I could get some food. And so he heads home. And here's the most beautiful part of this story. Here's the most beautiful part. A son that deserved absolutely nothing gets this response. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. This is huge. And once again, we're going to have to put ourselves in the shoes of people in this culture in this day and age. Fathers didn't run. They didn't do that. That was humiliating to them. Also, that was the, the behavior of a mother, not a father. But here's this father who too run had to pull up his robes and bare his legs. And I know that seems silly now, but that was the most shameful thing that he could have done in public. And he does it all for the sake of him loving and having compassion on his son, who looks like a string bean, starving to death guy coming up. He, he couldn't have looked good. And he goes running to his son. And he embraces him and he kisses him and he says, just give him everything he needs. I'll, I'll, I'll clothe you. I'll, I'll put a robe on. I'll put a ring on your finger. Are you hungry? I'll give you something to eat. Are, are, do you need shelter? I'll give you some place to sleep. We need to kill the fattened calf. You remember that bank account we've been saving up? It's time to spend it because what I thought was dead is alive. And my lost son is home. And so they started to celebrate. So there's three things that I want to show you tonight in this story. Three people. And out of all of this, once again, I want you to focus in, laser focus, on the love unlimited found in the embrace of God the Father. Okay? The three people that I want you to notice tonight are the Son, the Father, and Jesus. And it was my prayer that not without even explaining it, you would start to see Jesus in this story. That you would start to see that. But we're going to start with the son. Here's what's interesting about the son. He goes and he does these things and he, he falls to the bottom of the pit, right? And when this story is told, it's often told as like a flagship of what repentance is. And it's like, this is the essence of repentance. You go to the bottom of, of lows of lows and then you turn around and you leave and you head back home. And yeah, I, I like it. It's repentance literally repentance spiritually, kind of. Because here's something you notice. He doesn't have any plan to fix the relationship with the father, does he? No, he says, maybe I'll clean your toilets. But what is he after? Food. He just has a need that wants to be met. He just has a need that needs to be met. So yeah, it's literally repentance. He's turning around and going home. But like I said, he has no, he has no intentions of restoring this relationship. All he wants is to get back to having things, okay? And I, wanna, I, wanted to, I wasn't going to go here yet, but I wanted to step out of this story and just say there are people in this room who are just like me who was this son that hit rock bottom and came home. There's people who have come home in this, in this room tonight. And I want to just remind you, when you came home, when I came home, we didn't have a plan, did we? We didn't have a plan about how we were going to make everything right, did we? No, it looked like this. Um, help. <laughs> That's what it looked like, right? And you know what's beautiful? When we were worshiping before, before I came out, this posture is that exact message. It's not, hey, I'm really cool. I'm taller now. <laughs> it's not that. It's not that. It's you going, I need help, Dad. I need help, Dad. Have you ever seen a kid go up to his dad and go like this? That's exactly what you're doing. That's exactly the heart posture. 
So back into the story. This son didn't have a plan going back, but here's what he did that was very wise. He humbled himself. And he came back to the father in a humble spirit. And he said, maybe I could be your servant. I don't know. Like, I, I, just, I just know you have what I need. I don't have a plan. I'm not all together. He didn't go and get a job, did he? He didn't, like, go and get a white-collar job and shave his beard and, like, get an apartment and work his way up so he could repay his father. No, he couldn't. There is nothing he could do to repay his father at this point because he was literally on the brink of death. That's kind of like us, wasn't it? That's kind of like us back then. These people have already come home. And if you have not come home in this room tonight, I'm so glad you're here. Because this might be the greatest story you've ever heard. And this might give you the most truth and hope that you've ever heard. Second character, the father. What I do not want you to miss and what the father shows is his compassion for his son. The son did nothing to, the, to, to, to deserve this. This is love unlimited. And there's this huge misconception, and it's this. I've, and I think it comes from different media um, and also really loud-mouthed religious people that don't ever spend time in Scripture. They just make up their own God and their own rules and then force it on other people. But it makes it very confusing, almost to the point where it's unbearable, and it's this. That there's this misconception that when we approach God, that he's going to be sitting there like this. Prove it. You want to come home? Prove it. You want to be in my house? Prove it. You want to be saved? Earn it. It's a misconception that that's his posture. Friends, that's not in the Bible. That's not what Jesus is showing us about God the Father. It is quite the opposite. Because what you see, the surprise, the, the plot twist, is that the father picks up his robe and runs and embarrasses himself and looks embarrassing. Has your parents ever done anything that looked embarrassing? Absolutely. He, but they do it out of love, you guys. And so he picks up his robe and he's running and he's running and he embraces the son. And listen, there is nothing that the son did that required or, or, or stirred up that embrace from the father. He ran away with everything and came back with nothing. There was no reason the father needed to do this unless... He had unlimited, unlimited love for the son. Unlimited love for the son. And here's the other part of the story that we didn't touch on while I was reading it. But he said, when the son was far off, when a long way off, he saw him. Now we have two options here. Either the father was looking day and night in hills and valleys and gutters and alleys for this son, for this child calling his name at night. Or two, he considered him dead. He just thought he was probably dead. So you can imagine the miraculous moment that this father sees his son. Sees his son. Imagine the emotion that he's going through and he runs towards him. And I have to tell you this. You have to hear this tonight. Don't ever worry about going and finding God before he comes and finds you. Because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He's watching. He's looking. He's checking every hill and every valley. He's checking every gutter and every alley and screaming from the mountaintops to find you. He's waiting for you to come home. You have to hear that. You have to hear that. 
And here's the last thing. Here's the last thing about the Father, and then we're going to move on. His love was unlimited. Because should his love have been limited? Yeah, probably. Like, why not? This son has done nothing to prove that he's trustworthy. This son has done nothing to prove that he's responsible. Like, it probably should have looked like this. If, if, a, if a reasonable, sane approach to the situation was, Hello, son. It is good to see you. I do not trust you with anything. You can stay here for a week, and I will give you food. Or, that's limited, right? That's limited love. We're approaching him and say, you may be my servant. I will never call you my son, and I will feed you the leftovers. That's limited love, right? Or, it could have looked like this. You are not welcome here. I'm glad you are alive. You are not welcome here. That would be limited love, wouldn't it? But that's not what he got. He got an embrace, and he got new clothes, and he got a ring, and he got food, and he got shelter. Do you think, by a nod of your head, do you think that son felt loved? Do you think he did? Yeah, absolutely. God the Father will run to you and clothe you and give you food and give you shelter and give you a home and welcome you home. The last person I want to talk about is Jesus. And I hope you see Jesus in this whole story. Because here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus has been with the Father since he was Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is constantly walking with the Father. There's never a moment he's not with the Father. And he's talking about the Father like no one else talked about their Father in that day. Okay, He was saying things like, the Father loves me. And he was so confident of the unity that they had that he would say, people who see me see the Father. People who see me see him. But there's this moment, this heartbreaking, almost unbelievable moment, unbearable moment for him that comes. And what happens is the people who wanted to kill him finally got their chance because he was messing up their whole power structure. He was healing people and forgiving sins and raising the dead, and it was messing up with this, these religious people's power. And they finally got the opportunity to kill him. And so they had him flogged. And just so you know what that means, just so you know what flogging means, just so you know what that means, it's being whipped, but at the end of those whips, there's sharp stones and pieces of metal and glass. And the point isn't to cut. The point is to rip and so at the end of that flogging, Jesus has not yet gone to the cross. This is just a behavioral modification tool. His bones are showing. His muscle tissue, his organs are showing if you were to look at his back. And then they strapped a cross to his back and said, carry it. And he walked to the hill that he created to die. And they nailed his body to hold him on to this cross. They nailed his body. And so what happens during crucifixion, you should know this, is it's not the nails that killed Jesus. It's the loss of blood, but also the suffocation that happens on a cross. And that's why it was the worst torture way to death that the Romans could think of. Because while your feet are nailed, you would have to push yourself up to get a breath. 
pushing those nails farther into your foot, and then you would fall back down. And until you could do that again, you wouldn't breathe. And while this was happening, he was naked. And the people who wanted him dead were now killing him and still bullying him and still calling him names and still spitting on him. But through all of that, with one of his last breaths, he says nothing about that pain. With one of his last suffocating breaths, he cries this, he screams this, he goes, Father, why have you forsaken me? He's saying, Dad, where did you go? Where did you go? You're always with me and now you're not. Where did you go? And then he has to drop back down. I can't believe it. Imagine the pain in this moment, in this moment, that goes beyond all time and all space, in this moment that goes beyond humanity, in this moment that changes your life here today. The Son of God was taking on the sins, your sins, the sins of the world on his bloody, beaten, bruised shoulders, and the Father turned away. Because in that moment, Jesus was paying a price. A transaction was occurring. That he would pay the price for your sin so that what? The Father could run to you. So that the Father could see you a long way off and go, that's my kid. That's my daughter. That's, that's my son. And how does he recognize you? He made you. He knows every hair on your head. And in this moment when the Father turns away, he sees you and he comes running. Remember how the father is humiliated, the son was humiliated on a cross. But it wasn't for nothing. It was so that you could be welcomed home. And the part that proves that is, yes, Jesus died, but he rose from the dead. He called his shot, and the tomb was empty. And all the Romans had to do to prove otherwise was hold up a corpse and go, here's your God, quit it. But they couldn't. The tomb was empty. And what that means for you and me is that means that that transaction cleared. It said, card approved. And you're free to come home. Imagine that moment that a ring was put back on the son's finger. That was transaction approved. Jesus' resurrection was transaction approved. You're free to come home. And if you haven't done that, you're free to come home. And people who have come home, how good is that to remember that? How good is that? That is love unlimited. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Jesus, for everything you show us, for the freedom that you give us, for your death and your resurrection, the sacrifice that you made. Jesus, the pain that you went through, you did it for us. You did it so that we are free to come home. And I pray that anybody who is longing for home in their hearts tonight feels free to to come to the Father. That they see that he is not an angry, punishing, far-off Father, but a Father that runs to his children, to his daughters, to his son. I have a few questions for you. You guys can have a seat. The first question is, 
first question I want to ask you is where is your love limited? Okay? Where's your love limited? Is your love limited to a race? Is your love limited to a nationality? Is your love limited to a certain group of friends? Is your love limited just to people who are here at Element? Where's your love limited? I want you to think about that. Chew on that for a second. Where's your love limited? And the second thing that I want to show you, the second thing I want to ask you, and then I want to tell you about, is that we have this vision for Third City Christian Church, and Element is so much the DNA of Third City Christian Church, is that we want to be love unlimited. We want to be God's love unlimited to our community. And we want to see people a long ways off and go running to them. And I don't think we'll ever be perfect. But man, if the Father's by our side, what are we afraid of? If the Father's by our side, whom shall we fear? Oh, death, where is your sting? Let's go. Let's be that church. So I want to show you, and this is worth celebrating. Um, we made this video to kind of give you an, an overview of all the unlimited love that happens here. And there's only going to be more of it. We're just getting started. So watch this video and feel free to celebrate with us as a church as we move forward for whatever God has next for us. Check this out.
Resistance Love Unlimited. joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students.